0: We become more whole as persons when we have life transforming encounters with the literature of the Bible in its variety. So there is an aesthetic awakening, an appreciation of beauty that can come through when we are reading Psalms that celebrate nature. That's not gonna come through to us in the same way in reading other kinds of literature in the Bible. So we are becoming more complete as persons when we are exposed more richly to the Bible in all of its variety.
1: Welcome to The Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Phil Riken. Phil currently serves as the eighth president of Wheaton College. Before that, he was a pastor at Philadelphia's 10th Presbyterian Church for over a decade. He's also the author of numerous books and served as a contributing editor to the ESV Literary Study Bible from Crossway. Today, Phil and I discuss the literary qualities of Scripture. He makes the case for focusing not just on what the biblical writers said, but also on how they said it, which contributes to the meaning of the text. He also explains why this literary approach to the Bible has largely been neglected by evangelicals, what it really means to read the Bible literally, and how all of this relates to the plain meaning of the words of Scripture. Let's get started. Phil, thank you for joining me on the Crossway Podcast today.
0: Thank you, Matt. Uh, Great
1: to be talking with you. Yeah, so when it comes to reading the Bible and studying the Bible, I think we as conservative evangelical Christians uh, tend to focus on what the Bible is saying to us, but we're perhaps not quite as familiar with focusing on how the Bible is saying those things. Uh, Why would you say, if you were to summarize it simply, understanding the how is also important?
0: Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I don't know if this is the most important thing, but I, I just think there's a lot more delight in reading God's Word mm. when we understand there are different kinds of literature in the Bible. We need to approach them in very different ways. Uh, I think a lot of Christians, and maybe people in secular culture, culture as well, think of the Bible uh, in a totally separate category. It's mm. it's its it's own, its own kind of unique book that has no connection with other things that we read, Um, but when you start realizing there are parables here and stories here and there's poetry and there's music and, um, it gives just a much richer appreciation and enjoyment in God's word. Um, I also think it, it's really important for interpreting the Bible properly. So if you want to get the content, you also have to understand the form. Otherwise you're going to be missing the content. Mm.
1: Why do you think it is going back to that first point you made? Why is it that, uh, we tend to view scripture in this completely other category. Yeah, I think for, obviously it is in another category in some sense.
0: Yeah, so and and I think so actually there's an aspect of that that's appropriate, recognizing this really is the word of God. It's it's a uh, divine gift to us. God speaks through uh, to us through his word in a, in a way that he doesn't speak to us in any other um, form of writing. So there, I mean, it is a it is a it's a special book, it's a holy book, it's a unique book. There's no other book like it in that sense, but um. We also have to bear in mind that the people who wrote the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they were real people, and they are reflecting the culture that they were in, and cultures always have literary forms. So um, the Bible is unique in certain ways, but it's actually not unique in other ways. You were asking the question, well, why, why do we sometimes view it as unique, maybe in ways that it's not helpful to view it as unique? I think even the, fa- even the physical form of the Bible, where you have little verse markers... Uh, you don't. You tend to read the Bible maybe a little verse by verse, by verse, by verse, rather than as a literary whole or kind of a page turner, yeah. Uh, the way you might read another book. So I, I think that's. Um,
1: and those verses didn't exist in the original manuscript. Those verse
0: numbers didn't ha- actually. I mean, depending, you know, oftentimes the original didn't even have breaks between the letters and the words. <laughs> it was all run together. So um, you know, just even the physical form of it was uh, was very different. So I, I think that's. Um, I think that's another reason why we maybe read the Bible differently.
1: Do you think it's a fair critique of, let's just say, Protestant evangelicalism generally that we have neglected... The literary qualities of scripture? It
0: probably is, although I'm hopeful that we do better with that now because I I think there are a lot more resources for understanding the Bible as literature. I also think that there are more pastors who have been trained to be a little more sensitive to the different kinds of literature in the Bible. I mean, I think that's been an area, say, over the last half century, where Bible scholars in general and evangelical scholars in particular have uh, really grown in their understanding, and that eventually has an impact on people that are teaching the Bible and eventually has an impact also on people that are reading the Bible.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned another one of the the reasons perhaps uh, that this is important is for interpretation of Scripture. So can you think of any examples where a sensitivity to the literary qualities of Scripture would have a positive impact on our ability to interpret it?
0: Here, here's one example. I think there's a, a longstanding debate or discussion as to whether the parables of Jesus have only one main point or whether they can actually be, be communicating a variety of different uh, lessons. And when you understand what a parable is, so a parable is a particular kind of story. Uh, it does have a, a kingdom point to it. But like most stories, it's not just a simple proposition. There's a complexity and richness to it. And when you understand that that's how literature works, you're not going to be surprised when there are multiple meanings, and you're not going to be surprised if there's a primary meaning. Because a lot of times, a a parable specifically is a story told to make a point. So that's maybe a both and, but you have a deeper understanding of it if you understand uh, the kind of literature that it is. Um, Another example is... um, You know, sometimes we ask ethical questions of stories in the Bible. Um, Was it, you know, right for Rahab to lie to her fellow, uh, you know, people in the, her fellow citizens of Jericho in order to protect? uh, And and that's a sort of an age-old ethical dilemma anyway. Um, How do I answer that question? Because in a story, you don't have... Oftentimes you don't have a, you know, maybe in a certain kind of story you would, but in most of the Bible stories you don't necessarily have, hey, this person was doing the right thing, mm. a little editorial a little comment, commentary. yes. So what do you do in that situation? You read literature the way literature is written, and literature tells you a lot by the outcomes by what the results are, and that's how a storyteller, the story, I mean, nobody wants to have the kind of story where somebody is just always telling you what the moral point is, you just want to enter into the world of the story and let the story kind of carry its own meaning. But if you need to ask some of those hard questions of a text, you need to know how stories work, and that helps Mm. you in the interpretation. So those might be a couple of examples.
1: So, So how connected is a literary reading of Scripture to the idea of story?
0: So uh, I would say it's connected when the Bible is telling you a story, mm. but it's not connected when the Bible is giving you a genealogy. It's not not so connected if the Bible is uh, you know writing you an epistle or, um, uh, or uh, delivering to you a poem, reciting to you a poem. I mean, the Bible does all of these kinds of things. There's just a tremendous variety of kinds of literature in the Bible, which, which by the way, I think is part of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and how the Bible is constructed, because um, we become more whole as persons when we have life-transforming encounters with the literature of the Bible in its variety, Um, So there is an aesthetic awakening, an appreciation of beauty that can come through when we are reading psalms that celebrate nature. Um, That's not going to come through to us in the same way in reading other kinds of literature in the Bible. Um, So we are becoming more complete as persons when we are expo- exposed more richly to the Bible in all of its uh, in all of its variety,
1: that's such an interesting perspective too. Because I think, at least my, this is my own experience, is sometimes I kind of have my favorite sections of Scripture, my favorite genres of Scripture that I tend to be drawn towards. Uh, Maybe for someone it's the Psalms, maybe for someone else it's Paul's epistles, maybe for someone else it's the Gospels, and I can tend to maybe even shy away from the other genres because it's it's harder, it kind of feels uncomfortable to me, it's a different way of engaging it, but you're kind of saying that's one of the, the, the benefits, one of the beauties of Scripture is that it does... Forces yeah, to do that. Yeah,
0: so I mean, just to give an analogy, it's a little bit like working out at the gym. There may be exercises you really like to do, and ones that you don't really like to do so much. But some of the ones that you don't like to do so much are really important because you're developing, you know, muscles that that need to be developed. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, I think the I think Bible teachers, pastors, and preachers have a really key role here because when they have an enthusiasm for the Bible in all of its variety and can help you understand how different parts of the Bible are written, you actually can enjoy something in a way you didn't realize you'd be able to enjoy it. So that's not to say that some some parts of the Bible aren't more difficult. I mean, you know, um, the uh, allotment of the land in the book of Joshua and all of the personal and place names, that, that takes a certain kind of patience mm. to, to enter yeah. into. But until you give yourself over, the t- over to a text, you're not going to— really get the spiritual benefit that it has for you. And I think, you know, when you talk about parts of the Bible that are difficult, um, another reason it's important for us to get beyond maybe the few portions of the Bible that are more natural for us to read or that we enjoy more... um, is because whatever we enjoy the most, it's only one small part of what the Bible as a whole has for us. You know, 40% of the Bible, I think it is, is written in, in poetry. Talk to a lot of people, they would say, "Oh, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't like love poetry. poetry, I don't like to read poetry. Um, and I've got a couple rejoinders to that. I mean, one of them is, Um, actually you do you just consume it in a form you don't realize Um, most popular music is poetic and most christian music whether it's the ancient traditional hymns of the church or whether it's more contemporary it's in the form of poetry so actually we all consume a huge amount of poetry Um, and that's the way the psalms were written they were written to be sung as well um So, um, you know, I think we do need to lean into some of the genres of the Bible, some of the literary forms that maybe are less comfortable or familiar to us. God has something for us there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe to hit on some of the concerns that people have expressed about a literary approach to the Bible, some scholars, and we would probably consider many examples of this to be theologically liberal scholars— Have also emphasized the literary nature of Scripture, Uh, but then they've used that to argue that uh, doctrines like inerrancy or even divine inspiration are sort of invalid. Um, How do we balance viewing the Bible as a piece of human literature that follows the conventions and rules and has to be interpreted along those lines, uh, full of poetry, as you say, and metaphors and archetypes and just story, with questions of historicity? And uh, are those two issues ever at odds with each other?
0: Yeah, I I totally think they do not have to be at odds. Although I think you're making a good point that, um, you know, I think liberal scholarship perhaps has been, um, in some cases, very sensitive to the literary dimensions of of scripture. Um, I think one issue that enters into that is sometimes when people hear literary, they think fictional, Literary just means there's a style to it, there's an artistry to it, it has a literary form to it. Um, it's not at all uh, it does not at all need to be uh, contrary to a, a robust sense of of biblical history. And for me, it's it's like a lot of things in the Christian life and in theology. It's a both and. And if you try to force a dichotomy, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. You know, it's like the two natures of Christ, or it's like, you know, uh, human freedom and divine sovereignty. When you you put pit them against one another and one has to lose, and the one one gets to win and the other has to absolutely lose, you're not gonna be a good theologian. I, I think we approach the scripture, we ought to approach the scripture the same way. And that is to recognize it's a very human book, full of human failings, in terms of the characters that are presented, human in terms of the personalities of the authors that come through very strongly in the different, and the experiences of the authors that come through very strongly all the way through the Bible. But at the same time, the, you know, the scripture itself says these men who were authors of scripture in one sense were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's an impetus and a divine agency so that this truly is not merely human words about God, but this is God's word to humanity. Um, there is no reason in the world that we can't fully appreciate both of those aspects. And I think if we take one at the expense of the other, we're not going to understand Scripture in all of its richness. Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe another similar issue that sort of is related, maybe not exactly the same as as what we just talked about, is I think conservative evangelicals, again, often pride themselves with a commitment to taking the Bible literally, reading the Bible literally. And sometimes I think a literal reading can seem to be in opposition with a literary reading how do you see those two Yeah, two so uh,
0: so absolutely. We should read the Bible literally when the Bible itself wants to, wants to be taken literally. So do I read the Bible literally? Yes, except that when the Bible is speaking metaphorically, I read the Bible metaphorically. When the Bible is speaking in parables, I read it parabolically. When the Bible is speaking in Psalms, I read it musically. I mean, so um, I think sometimes when people say, hey, I want to take the Bible literally— what they literally mean is that they want to fully accept the divine authorship and the truthfulness of biblical history. So, sometimes when people use that vocabulary, I don't necessarily feel like, "Oh, I got to straighten you out." Like, yeah. "No, don't read the Bible literally." No, yeah, what you're what you're trying to communicate there is something valid and important. But um can we have a conversation that broadens your understanding of how to approach the bible and um and that includes reading the bible metaphorically and parabolically in the other ways i was talking about a moment ago
1: yeah yeah how would you how, what would it look like for you to try to convince somebody who maybe even is listening right now and is is already starting to feel uncomfortable like it feels like this, or maybe they've actually experienced somebody using this kind of talk about the Bible as a way to get around the plain meaning of the text of Scripture. How, how, do, you, how do you balance those things?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I think, um, I think there is a point, sometimes people do appeal to literary features of the Bible— as a way of discounting biblical history. So I think the question you were asking initially, I mean, that's a real thing that people do. So, you know, in some conversations, you you might want to start with, um, let me start this conversation by affirming what I believe to be true about the history of the Bible. I mean, I believe in the Actual physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ because of the historical accounts of his resurrection that I read in the Gospels, you know, and and you, so people know. Okay, yeah, here's somebody that believes in biblical history as I do. I'm willing to to hear more. Speaking somewhat humorously, I mean, one thing I would say if somebody's like, I'm going to read the Bible literally and I'm going to read it literally in every single place, um, I I then would might want to take you to Song of Solomon chapter four. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Okay, that's a simile. Uh, that's a metaphor. Uh, your eyes are doves. Should I be taking that literally? I mean, and then I mean, and then you keep going through the passage. It's going to get really weird the longer you go.
1: A neck like a tower, or yeah, your neck no, is a tower. Yeah,
0: right. So then, then somebody's going to have to step back and say, well, no, obviously I don't mean... Take that literally, then we can start having a conversation. I think, I think there will come times in the Bible where we have to really wrestle with what is the genre here, and um, is this historical? Is the Bible itself presenting itself as historical in this place? And sometimes you have to wrestle through some of those questions. Um, but I think the, I think coming at the Bible with an overall approach that when the Bible means to be taken literally, we take it literally, um, but then that's not the only way the Bible speaks to us. I think that's a good orientation yeah. to our study of the
1: Bible. Yeah, that's helpful. Uh, do you? One of the other dominant ways of approaching Scripture taught in probably many evangelical churches, Bible colleges, seminaries, maybe even here at Wheaton College, uh, would be the historical grammatical approach to interpretation. Do you think that has room within it to be sensitive to the literary qualities. Yeah, of scripture. definitely. No,
0: I, 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 absolutely think so. I think you know, and I'm not an ex. I'm not a Bible scholar, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor trying to teach the Bible faithfully. Um, but so I, I can't give you the full history of you know how we've approached the Bible hermeneutically and in other ways. But I think a historical grammatical approach uh, wanted to take the text of the Bible in very specific ways, as seriously as possible. So it is historical. So it has a historical context. It may also be communicating historical truth. We need to read it in that historical context, and we need to pay attention to the words of the Bible, the grammar of the Bible, subjects and objects, and how 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 the language is working. There's a linguistic sophistication that is required to understand the Bible at the deepest level. Part of the problem, as it were, with that approach um, can be to um, look at the Bible so microscopically. We're looking at very particular parts of the Bible, and we're missing a broader context. We're missing, I'm so focused on this little verse, I'm not thinking about it in its wider context. Or I'm so focused on this passage, I'm not even noticing you know, what Matthew is trying to do in his gospel as a whole. And I'm not just, I'm not, uh, yeah, I need to understand these words and their grammar and their history in this particular context, but I also need to put it in the bigger context of what the gospel of Matthew is doing as a whole. And I think a literary approach um, looks at the Bible in all of its literary dimensions and words and sentences, that's part of a literary understanding of the Bible, but there are also literary wholes, bigger literary units. So, um, maybe to give an analogy of that, uh, I want to be able to uh, get the big picture by looking at the Bible through my binoculars, but I also need to pull out the telescope, some, or the microscope sometimes, to look at particular parts of the Bible. Um, and that's not incompatible. That's actually can be part of a complete, rich reading of the, of the Bible.
1: Yeah, we need both. It's not an either-or. Is it possible to overemphasize the literary qualities of Scripture?
0: Yeah, I think it is. So I think, you know, it's like a lot of good things. Um, maybe you can overemphasize something or take it in an exclusive way or use it in the wrong way. So I think it would be possible, for example, to be so fascinated with just what's happening in the Bible from a literary perspective that you never really get to the point of practical application. So... you. It, a literary approach to the Bible could actually be a way of distancing the Bible from your personal spiritual pilgrimage when actually it ought to enhance that and, you know, really ought to help you on your spiritual journey. Um, I'm not sure I would say um, that's – so maybe that could be an overemphasis. I, I, w- I would never want to read the Bible as less than the literature that it is, um, But I think the Bible, because it is a word to us from God and does have exhortation and command in it, is different from other kinds of literature in that regard. And uh, that all has to be taken seriously as part of our heartfelt, life-transforming response to the Bible.
1: So you've served as president of Wheaton College for 10 years now, Uh, but before that you were a pastor for many years, preaching regularly. So you've referenced um, the importance of pastors understanding this. What does it look like to preach Scripture with a sensitivity to the literary qualities of the Bible?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, something I'd like to write on sometime a little bit more. I've done some thinking about it and maybe spoken on it on occasion, how to preach the Bible as literature. So um, we may have some listeners that are familiar with my father's work. I mean, he's really been a pioneer in a literary understanding of the Bible. Um, you Your know, father, Leland Reichen. Yes, for, particularly for the evangelical community. Um, but then there comes a point where you preach the Bible as literature. That is, you communicate to the people of God and um, the message of the Bible in its in its literary forms and, and with a sensitivity to that. So for me, I think um, a starting place for that is um, broad reading of a portion of the Bible that I am planning to preach. Um, so just to give an example, I mean, I I'm, have an aspiration sometime when when, when the time is right and I'm in the right ministry context of preaching all the way through the book of Isaiah, and I've been saving a lot of materials for that uh, over the years, and I find myself um, maybe a little more drawn to devotional reading in Isaiah, wanting to just get the big picture of Isaiah, just percolate, and that's very different from a close reading of particular passages. And that I mean, literary scholars, that's what they're great at doing, is a close reading of a text, but um, one of the ways that you get the big picture and the broad sweep in the, in the literary whole is by kind of ongoing reading um, that's getting the big picture. So I think there's a place for that kind, of, uh, that kind of reading of the Bible. Another thing that I like to do a lot in my teaching and preaching is draw some analogies or use some illustrations that may come from the world of literature. So I'm, I'm often asking myself a question, what, does, what in other literature does this kind of thing remind me of like what other poems have I read where something is praised and what are the conventions of that kind of literature not to help not to sort of bring something into the Bible that's not there but actually to see what is there so um you know it it helps a lot you know just to give one example and this is more by way of contrast in the book of Galatians um Paul, early on, uh, you know, tells the, um, this is verse 6 in Galatians chapter 1, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul takes a very antagonistic turn. He is not trying to win over an audience. He's trying to confront an audience. That already, I think, is pretty dramatic. You know, he he gives you the grace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 3 to 5. Then he says, hey, I'm astonished with what you're doing. You already, sense that, you already sense that contrast, just as, I think, a thoughtful, attentive reader. But when you actually know the conventions of rhetoric and of letter writing in the Greek world, you know that Paul is violating well-established conventions here. It's even more shocking than you realized on a simple read, and it's actually your understanding of literature that has helped you see even more clearly what is actually there in the biblical text, and then you're asking yourself the question, well why is why is he that upset? Like I, I kind of sense that he was upset. Now he's a lot more upset than I even realized. Now I have to ask the question, what's going on here? And the form is helping you understand the content in a, in a mutually reinforcing
1: way. Would you go so far as to say the form itself contributes to the meaning? Yes,
0: absolutely. That is the case. Um, and we, we don't fully understand the meaning unless we understand the literary form and how it's meant to operate.
1: Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us yeah. and help us read the Bible better the way it's intended to be read.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's, I mean, I just love talking about the Bible and about the literature of the Bible. So thanks for an opportunity to do that, Matt.
1: That was Phil Riken on Reading the Bible as Literature. For more, be sure to check out the ESV Literary Study Bible, for which Phil served as a contributing editor, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you leave us a review that helps us spread the word about the show? Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.